I'm reading from Philippians 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God, and the God of peace will be with you. All right. Good morning. Thank you, Paisley, for doing that. Happy Father's Day. I so appreciated Allie just acknowledging that Father's Day can be painful. I think that is the MO of all holidays. They are both can be a celebration and a hard time for some of us. So I feel very blessed to both have a father that I want to say happy Father's Day and a husband who I'm super grateful that he is the father of our children. And happy belated Juneteenth. What a day to receive that news many, many years ago in Texas of freedom. Um, Okay, so today we are talking about anxiety. Thank you, Paisley, for reading that. Um, I just want to tell you a quick story, speaking of fathers. So growing up, driving with my dad was a little bit nerve-wracking. He, oh, hi, Greg and Andrea. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Um, Driving with my dad was kind of nerve-wracking. My dad tended to talk to whoever was in his passenger seat. And so as a kid in the back, you would kind of, we'd be going along, and then you hear, and then you'd get back on, and he'd be driving along, and and get back on, and he would look at the person he was talking to in his passenger seat, right? So the car would inevitably go off of the road, and the little reminder warning noise, I don't know what the technical name for that is, would remind him to look where he is going. So it was a perfect, when I was preparing my talk, it was the perfect illustration because the uh, title of today's talk is You Steer Where You Stare. And it is a very difficult to physically drive in one direction and look in another direction. And, and my experience as a child kind of is the perfect physical illustration for that. But our lives go in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So our thoughts are really vital to directing where we want to go. Um, But one of the biggest hijackers for our attention is anxiety. And all of us can relate to this in some form or fashion. Anxiety disorders are now the most common mental illness in the United States. Approximately 4 million, sorry, 40 million, not 4 million, 40 million adults have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. 4.4 million children and adolescents are affected. And actually, teenagers today rank anxiety as a larger problem, as the number one problem, a larger problem than substance abuse or bullying. And that was actually from a study done in 2019. So that was pre-COVID. So whether or not, maybe you're a person who believes that 
anxiety only affects certain types of people. I would have been one of those people. I grew up thinking that I didn't deal with stress or anxiety, but now looking back on my life when I was a child, often after stressful seasons, I would break out into cold sores <laughs> all over my face, which was great for security, like the whole insecurity middle school phase. It was lovely. Um, so looking back, I think, oh, even though I might not have felt or recognized that I was feeling anxious, my body was trying to tell me something. So where does anxiety come from? I want to get a little bit, do not doctory, I don't know, sciencey maybe. So we have a part of our brain, a very small part of our brain called the amygdala. The amygdala sends signals to our bodies to release adrenaline to help us to survive. It is God's design. It triggers the fight flight, fight, or freeze within us, and it helps us get through short-term stressful seasons. It helps us to respond quickly in emergency situations. However, if that is happening through long-term stressful seasons, anxiety can wreak havoc on our brains and on our bodies. So the amygdala releases the adrenaline, which then causes us to feel anxiety, which is kind of a superpower in certain situations. However, if we have long-term situations of anxiety, it can leave us with an sense, a sense of impending doom, difficulty concentrating, depression, social withdrawal. We can live with a sense of immense guilt or hopelessness. And physically, it can give us heart problems, breathing problems, upset stomachs, extreme fatigue, increased blood pressure, just random body aches and pains, and more. That's kind of just the, the main ones. So I want to say this from the very beginning, that I do not believe that anxiety can be fixed with one talk. I also do not believe that anxiety can be waved away. It's fine. Trust God. It can't be waved away. I do believe that therapy, counseling, medication, diet, routine, sleep, Breathing exercises, calming music are all viable ab avenues to help overcoming anxiety, depending on the severity. If you are currently in a place where you would think, I do have an anxiety disorder, um, the, I, let me say this. I don't want anyone to feel like this talk is dismissing where you are at. I myself have been in, I'm very familiar with anxiety. I have suffered from panic attacks, depression, social anxiety on the larger scale, on a smaller scale, I t texted my small group this week to say, can you please pray for me? I'm really anxious about my talk on anxiety. <laughs> so my heart today is to lead us to Jesus, who experienced the most extreme form of anxiety in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was under so much stress, under, under so much anxiety, praying to his father that this cup would be taken from him, that he bled sweat, or he, um, his sweat was full of blood, that his capillaries physically burst. This type of extreme physical reaction is, is super, super, super rare. And Jesus is the one who experienced it himself. So he understands. So we know from the passage that Paisley read um, and also from many other passages in the Bible, that the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety, worry, and fear. And I lump those all together because they kind of all go together. You can't be 
anxious without fear. You can't worry without anxiety. They all kind of go together. And there are hundreds and hundreds of verses. In fact, I've been hearing this thing where people are like, there are 365 verses that say, do not fear. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. If that's true, that's pretty awesome. When the Bible was written, I think the calendar year was different. So if you know that's true, let me know. I researched it but couldn't find solid information. But the point is, is it shows up a lot. Why does it show up a lot? Not because we shouldn't ever feel that way, but because God knows we will feel that way and we need reminding over and over and over again. When I hear the words, um, when I hear the, the words that Paisley read, do not be anxious, I can hear it is wrong to feel anxious. It's really helpful to know that, uh, sometimes it's helpful to know the tense that a scripture is written in, and this is actually written in the pr- active present tense. So another way that it could be written is do not live in a constant state of anxiety. But again, it does not say it is wrong. It says don't do it because it's unhealthy for us. So it's not a reprimand. It is a gracious reminder that is repeated hundreds and hundreds of times throughout the Bible. Not because God is telling us off, but because he knows we are human and he knows we need reminding. Anxiety, fear, and worry come with life. John 16, says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Luke 6, 26 says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. That one really, I like when people think well of me. I don't like when people don't think well of me. So that one was like, What? So we should expect people to be upset with us sometimes. 1 Timothy 3.12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Psalms 121, 1-3 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord the, uh, who made heaven and earth. Why do we need help? Because we have trouble. And what does trouble give us? worry, anxiety, and fear. (laughs) Hence, all of the hundreds of verses that remind us not to do that. It brings us back to God. For me personally, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when I would, uh, for many, many years, I was like, I felt like I was in a pit of anxiety that I could not get myself out of. And I would feel anxious, and then I would feel guilty for feeling anxious, and then I would feel angry for feeling guilty for feeling anxious, and it was just this very destructive cycle. So how do we do it? I want us to look at these verses again. In verse 4, God invites us to rejoice in him. And I don't know about you, but when I hear the word rejoice, I think of a feeling. And I I remember this from the last time Natasha Austin spoke, and I had heard it before that it was so mind-boggling that simply is that rejoicing is not a feeling. It is an action word. And I remember thinking, what? Because even now, even though I know it in my brain, I still relate rejoicing with feeling But it's not a feeling, it's an action. And Paul actually wrote this from prison. I highly, highly doubt he felt like rejoicing. Right, Finley? Yeah, she is agreeing. But what happens when we are able to shift our 
our gaze to Jesus. When we shift our gaze to Jesus, we get our eyes off of our situation. We get our eyes off of our feelings and our pain. When Peter got out of the boat to walk to Jesus, when did he start to sink? It's an actual question. Yeah, when he, when he, looked, when he looked away from Jesus. And I used to read that story because if you don't know the story, it's a really big storm. The disciples are in the boat. Jesus is on the water walking towards them. And Pete, Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking to Jesus, and he's on the water. And then he looks at the storm, okay? Super reasonable. Okay, first of all, anxiety is super reasonable, guys. He's on the water. There's a storm, and there's like waves and thunder and lightning. And he's looking at Jesus, and he's walking. And then he looks at the storm super distracting, and he starts to sink. And I used to, Jesus's response to him is, oh, ye of little faith. And I used to hear that as a reprimand, like, oh, ye of little faith. Like, seriously, he got out of the boat. He's walking on the water to Jesus. Like, how can you not look at these giant waves that are around you? But what if Jesus meant that as a joke? Like, what if we are so quick to assign tone to the scripture? What if he's like, Oh, Peter, you, you silly guy. Like, what were you doing walking on this water? Like, just the fact that he took a few steps is pretty amazing. So maybe you find yourself in a place where you are in a pit of anxiety like I was. I know there's been times in my life where I have needed other people to come alongside of me and remind me of God's goodness. So whether you're in that place or not today, I want to do that for us for just a second. Is God good? Yes. Does he have grace for you? Yep. Is he wise? You can talk louder if you want. At home, you can say this out loud too. Does he have more solutions than you or I could ever think of? Yes. Is he surprised by our problems? No. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's almighty. He provides everything we need. He has made a way for you to come to him. He loves you. He's coming after you in this moment. Do you feel that, what's happening right now? That is your gaze shifting to God. That is you are steering over here, and now you're steering here, and you're gazing at the one who's coming after you. He loves you. He's with you no matter what. If this is the best day of your life or the worst day of your life, he is with you. He's defeated death. He's seated at the Father's right hand. At his name, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. He is God over anxiety. He is God over depression. He's over all pain, over all suffering. He's going before you to prepare a place for you. That's right. We are headed to a place where there will be no anxiety. There will be no depression. Everyone's going to walk, Finley. Everyone's going to walk. There will be, everyone will talk. That is us shifting our gaze, steering our gaze to Jesus. It takes intentionality. The enemy wants to intentionally destroy us with anxiety. It takes just as much determination to intentionally choose to look into his face. And right now what I'm doing for you has been done for me. There have been women in this room and my husband who have, I have 
texted and called and asked, pray for me. I am in this pit of anxiety. I cannot get out. And they have prayed and they have prayed and they have reminded me of who God is, steering my eyes back to God. That is the beauty of the church community. That is why we need one another. I need to calm down just a little bit so I can get through the rest of this. Whew, like we could all go home. We could be done, right? Like, let's, let's give me some donuts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what else does this tell us about anxiety? Yeah. Um, it says, let your reasonableness be known to all. So a little sciencey again. Greg, is that the right term? <laughs> uh, anxiety, the, so the amygdala physically shuts down your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex, I'm touching this part of my head like, that's where I know it is. I don't know where it is. Um, but your prefrontal cortex, yeah, it controls your logic. So your amygdala shuts down your logic. It shuts down your reasonableness, and that is God's design. That is why we see or hear stories of people lifting cars off of other people who are underneath of them. That is not logical. That is not reasonable. It's God's design to help us get through crazy situations. So just like I mentioned just a second ago, if you are stuck in, in anxiety, it does take intentional. You, we can access our logic, but it's, it has to be intentional. It has to be a decision. And everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So it's helpful to know that request, request here could mean itemized request. It's really specific. Jesus teaches us when he's teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day my daily bread. So it's very specific. What do you need today from God? What do you, what do you need from him? He wants to know. We're not being selfish when we ask him for exactly what we need. He wants a, a relationship with us. He wants to know specifically what we need. So there's freedom there. There's grace there to ask. And we pray with thanksgiving, with gratitude. Anxiety and gratitude really cannot share the same space. That does not mean if you develop gratitude that you will not experience anxiety. Because anxiety, again, I'm going to be a little bit of a re repeating here. Uh, anxiety just comes with life. It's always going to be there. But we have an opportunity every single day to reframe our anxiety as a gift, as a reminder of our deep need of God, a reminder that we cannot do this on our own, and a reminder that he saves us. He has saved us, and he does save us every single day. So we see our anxiety as we use it as a reminder to set our gaze on God, a reminder to thank him for all that he has done and all that he will do. And the more we steer our attention to him, the more we will go in his direction. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's a really important word, a tiny word. It's the word and. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These things are attached. They go together. And rejoice in God. We rejoice in God. We lift our gaze to God. Doesn't mean it's easy. I don't, wanna, I don't want anyone to feel like this is easy. It sounds simple. It's very hard. 
<laughs> we bring our specific requests to God, we practice gratitude, and the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. What we are talking about today is not one and done. It's not like, oh, I'll figure that out in my 30s and then my 40s, I'll be good to go, no anxiety. What we are talking about today is a lifelong practice, continually steering our gaze to Jesus. It does, I do believe it does get easier, but it does take very intentional practice. And I say that because, um, I, like I shared earlier, there's been times in recent years where I just have felt like I have been in a pit of anxiety. I have not been able to steer my gaze on my own towards God. I have been very reliant on a few people in this community to help me to get my gaze back on God. But guys, something has happened in the last, I would say, maybe two weeks. Recently, Matt was like, you seem different. I was like, I feel different. I do not know what has happened, but nothing has changed about our circumstances. I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of times it is easy to think, oh, if my circumstances change, then I will feel different. But that is generally not the case. There are things, I don't want to, practical help is good, and it can relieve stress in our lives. So I don't, that's, you know, there is a lot of value in that. However, the power of Jesus is that nothing can change and everything can change because of who he is. There's been a shift. Something has happened. And I don't, it's not because I've done this. It doesn't, it's not because I've done Philippians 4 perfectly. I've done it really badly. <laughs> I have done it very, very, very badly. I have done it with a lot of anger. I have done it with a lot of worry. There's been all the things that the Bible reminds us, don't do this. I have done that. And, um, but some, something has shifted. I would say the thing that I always have come back to, no matter how angry, how worried, how afraid I was, it, I did come back to, God, I want to follow you. And if that is your heart, it doesn't matter how good it looks. It can be super, super, super messy. But he honors the heart. God, the Bible says that God looks at the heart. Um, I want to share, this is actually, I have a little story. I love this story. God reminds it to me all the time. So um, it, had been a real, if, uh, it had been a really hard day. I had had Finley at therapy all morning. She had had a really, really rough morning. She had cried the entire way home. It was raining. And I was like, ah! all I wanted to do was get inside, put on a show for her, get a cup of coffee, and, you know, do something else. And so I'm getting her out of the car, and I'm kind of praying under my breath. And I look up, and my neighbor is walking down the sidewalk. And 
This neighbor, she's from Haiti. The first time I met her was probably two years before that. And I saw this woman walking in the snow with one shoe. And I ran out of our apartment and I went down to meet her. I said, are you okay? Can I help you? And with a smile on her face, she said, praise the Lord. I am so good. I'm going to a friend's house. And I was like, I mean, instantly I was blessed. I was like, what is happening right now? It's like, okay, thank you. Bless you. (laughs) I think, I don't know what I said, but so this is the neighbor I'm talking with and she's walking down the road. She's got an umbrella in one hand and she is laden down with grocery bags. And she's, again, her, she's got flip-flops on and one of them's like halfway off her foot. And I said, Grace, are you okay? And she said, Heather, by the grace of God, we are going to make it bit by bit. I was like, that is exactly right, Grace. I needed that today. You know, here she is trying to get her groceries home in the rain. I think the umbrella was even broken. And, but Matt and I will say that to each other. And I love that story for talking about steering our gaze to Jesus because it is very imperfect. You're not going to walk out of here probably feeling much different. It is bit by bit year after year, redirecting our gaze to the one who has saved us over and over again. Worship team, you can come on up. Um, Practically, if this is helpful for you, I'm just going to share a few things that have practically helped me um, in the last decade of trying to grow through anxiety. And the first, these are not necessarily in order, so I'm going to, this is, I think I have 10 things. If you are in a place of anxiety, I don't want you to be overwhelmed by this list. Just maybe think of one or two that you like. Maybe you can try. So the first one is a gratitude journal. Go to the Dollar Tree, get yourself a $1 journal, and um, a, simply writing down things that you're grateful for. You can shoot for every day. If you shoot for every day, maybe you'll do it once or twice a week. That's a great place to start. But that is just actively cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Oh, wow. I did not mean to do that. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, That was super cheesy. Okay. Um, Anyway, yes. Cultivating gratitude. And I would just say that I would do this when I was kind of in my darkest days. I would do this and I would write it out and I wouldn't feel any different. And I'd be like, what is the point of this? This is doing nothing. So again, we are not looking for immediate results. We are looking for cultivating a relationship with God. Read good books on anxiety. Priscilla Shire actually has a really great book called God is Able. Listen to good podcasts about anxiety. There's tons of good podcasts. And I feel like they're like free counseling a lot of times. The one that I love the most is called the Leader's Journey Podcast. They have great, great encouragements in there. And you don't have to be a leader to listen to it. If you're a human, you are a leader. So Um, write out the scriptures and put them around your house. Let them remind you of God's goodness. Uh, Contact one or two friends who you can call or text when you're struggling. Play worship music and sing to it. Something happens in our bodies and in our minds when we sing, no matter how it sounds. Write in a journal. You can write anything in a journal. You can say anything in a journal. Say it to God. Write in big, messy, 
angry letters. It's okay. Consider, okay, this is, I can't believe I'm saying this, but consider reducing your caffeine. (laughs) You guys, if you know me, you know how much I love coffee. I love it so much. Uh, One of the best things I did for my anxiety was to give up coffee. Be active every day. Go for a walk. Give up social media. Social media, there's been so many studies done on how much more anxiety we have because of social media. Read a fun book before bed. Don't watch TV. Say things out loud to God. Talk to him. Talk to him about everything. Just start talking to him. Just with your thoughts in your brain, your anxious thoughts, just start saying those thoughts out loud to God. He's not surprised by them. He knows that they are there. He wants us to pour our anxiety out to him. When he says, do not feel this way, or do not feel anxious, he is not saying, you will not feel anxious. It is a promise that we will feel anxious. So bring it to him. He is strong enough for it. He can take it. He never gets tired of hearing about it. He has all the grace and all the comfort and mercy on your anxious soul. just going to close with this. Romans 8, 37 through, 30, 37 through 39 says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm going to read that sentence again. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, through Jesus, not by our own works. I'm adding this part. This is not in the Bible. Not through our own works, not through our own effort, not through our own strength, but through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. By the grace of God, we will make it bit by bit.